Welcome to the Monday edition of the PFF Daily Betting Podcast. I am Kevin Cole. I am joined by Ben Brown. And Ben, I hear you had a highly successful DF- DFS day today. Do you want to talk about it? <laughs> um, I don't really think I want to talk about it, unfortunately. I hit a number of injury situations. Um, I was pretty high on Paris Campbell, which obviously didn't work out. I was also fairly high on Will Fuller, and that didn't work out. So all in all, it was a pretty unsuccessful and uneventful day for me from a DFS perspective. But I thought props did pretty well. Um, some betting action, I think, went okay as as well so all in all it wasn't a complete loss but yeah the dfs is uh kind of a hard grind at this point especially with all the injuries so we'll see hopefully you can guide me in the right direction here for the monday night showdown action but first first maybe we can start off with a few uh reactions from the sunday game here or sunday slate of game so uh let's do what we did last week let's go into a little buy sell or hold i'm gonna start it off here what do you think are ravens now the favorites for the super bowl I mean, I think they are. Uh, I'm assuming you probably know this better than me since you're checking these things, but I'm assuming that they are according to to the betting odds. I think we had the Chiefs being slightly higher in our power ratings. That probably is going to change after today with another strong performance by the Ravens. It wasn't as dominant as it looked week one against the Browns, but there was really never in doubt. And that defense is what we really got to talk about. I mean, we've seen the contrast week over week when the Browns faced them and then when they ended up facing the Bengals the next week how that off their offense looked completely different um the Texans you know they weren't firing in all, all cylinders against the Chiefs but I'd say they look pretty befuddled today against that against that Ravens defense and Lamar Jackson just continues to produce in a pretty uh not flashy sort of way he's he's really being ignored I think in these discussions of the players who were having the best year this year so I think they're improving their standing and kind of doing it in a sneaky fashion so I, I'm buying them Nice. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. Actually, we did. Eric and I had done like a market implied power rating system before the season. And that was actually really high on the Ravens, even heading into the season. And I think like they've looked by far the best team coming in um, over the last two weeks. Of course, the Chiefs had just a little bit of a scare this week. But I do think um, the key takeaway from that is how poorly they looked against the Chargers defense and I do think that the Ravens are going to be um, a similar matchup so I do I am excited to see that preview here next Monday night leaving out of week one those two teams Ravens and the Chiefs were actually tied for the favorites to go into the Super Bowl and I do think that's probably going to adjust here after week two I do think the Ravens are definitely going to be the odds on favorite I don't necessarily want to buy into them at that price but I'm also not disagreeing with them being the favorite so I would buy um, them being well-priced and being the right side for the Super Bowl. So I think that's a good call. Um, All right. Well, let's let's head over to the NFC. Now, the Packers haven't had the strongest competition that they faced the first couple of weeks, but they have been dominant. Another player, I would say, who is being maybe ignored a little bit, Aaron Rodgers, uh, when he was... Uh, you could say he was overrated for quite a few years. He's kind of being ignored. Now, do you see them as the front runner in an NFC where you had a couple of dominant teams, the 49ers and the Saints, who both look extremely vulnerable? Yeah, I mean, through two weeks, they have the highest EPA per offensive play in the NFL. Um, somehow on pass plays, they're actually second to the Bills, which 
we probably don't want to discuss since we're PFF here, so we'll just gloss over that. But Aaron Rodgers, I think pending grade approval will probably be um, the highest graded passer, depending on kind of what Russell Wilson finishes up here as. He has eight big time throws, zero zero turnover worthy plays. So I do, I do really like them in the NFC. I am probably a little concerned about Devontae Adams' hamstring injury. I don't think it looked too serious. Obviously, they are um, somewhat thin at the receiver position outside of him, but I'm definitely uh, buying into them winning the NFC North. I think the Vikings and the Lions have both looked basically horrendous against the Packers, and I don't think they're even in the same you know class as them at this point. I think um, as front runners, though, I would probably lean towards the Seahawks here. I just think they look so good on Sunday Night Football. I think they're kind of playing into the strengths of Russell Wilson for the first time. So if I had to choose between those two, I'd probably side with the Seahawks at this point. But I do think the Packers and the Seahawks are essentially the top two in the pecking order for the NFC. Yeah, what I think is interesting this year is because of the new playoff format, because of the one team that gets a buy that could be the key for the Packers eventually down down the road since the NFC West it looks like it's just stacked this year um the 49ers you know are, are the only team that that has a loss in that in that division so far so if you think about how those teams are going to have to battle against each other if the Packers have a lane where they can get that number one seed and allow those other guys to battle it out and get that buy i think this is a year where you know, uh, some people were questioning their 13 and three record last year. I think we could be doing the same thing, questioning them versus these other teams, but yet they still could be the favorite if they get that huge buy eventually at the end. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good thought. The fact that like the NFC West is essentially going to cannibalize themselves at some point in the season. And the Packers are essentially have can coast with 13 and three record and, and, and our understanding of that first overall seed in the NFC is so much more significant this year than it has been in years past. So I definitely like that line of thinking. I think you're definitely on the right page in that regard. So let's, do, let's go one more from the NFC. Are the Bucks back in contention in the NFC, do you think? Are you buying into them after their week two performance against Carolina? I mean, it wasn't the greatest performance, quite honestly. I mean, they had they put some points on the board late uh, with a long, you know, uh, Leonard Fournette touchdown. If you look at Tom Brady, it started off pretty well, but still it was pretty choppy. He was only averaging 6.2 yards per attempt, but he was good as far as not taking sacks. But then he threw another interception. Now we're talking about a few interceptions now for Brady, where in previous years he would only have, you know, six, seven, eight interceptions an entire season. Uh, and the Carolina Panthers, they made Derek Carr look awfully good a week ago. Uh, so I wouldn't necessarily say this marks a turning point because of that. And, you know, on the injury front, we love Chris Godwin. He's out. We'll see what happens there. Mike Evans has had some hamstring issues. So I don't think they're really firing on, on, all, on all cylinders, but at least there were some signs today they can get back on track. I just think this, when you look at the underlying Uh, numbers here it wasn't really the strongest performance Um, they're really gonna have to rely more on that defense and it's not gonna be you know the flashy names on offense and Tom Brady who are gonna be leading the charge right yeah I mean the 24th and EPA generator on pass attempts like you said the Chris Godwin injury concerns me I was probably expecting more from Rob Gronkowski. I thought he would maybe be a little more rejuvenated, but it looks like he uh, spent his off season. I don't know, living <laughs> is, the good is he playing? life or is he, whatever. Is he, is, he, is he even playing? I don't even know if he's out there half the time. I know he had he's not one on the target. Score, so yeah, yeah, he had one target basically. But other than that, he seems pretty non-existent. I guess his pass blocking grade was pretty good today, but I don't know. He looks. Not great. So I don't know. They wouldn't have even covered this week if Leonard Fournette didn't run in that 46-yard touchdown with a minute 48 seconds to go. So like you said, the Panthers aren't necessarily anybody to be scared 
of at all. So I'm not really buying into this either at this point, but I was really high on the Bucks in the offseason. So I might be more financially invested than I probably feel good about at this point. So it's probably too quick of a sell for me, but I'm definitely not buying in either. So this is a hold in my opinion, but we'll see what comes in the coming weeks. So. All right. And the the last buy or sell we're going to go over here, a little bit of a fantasy perspective here. Uh, unfortunately, amongst the many injuries that happened today, it looks like an ACL uh, tear for Saquon Barkley. We'll get confirmation on that probably tomorrow. Um, assuming that that's the case, are you buying Dion Lewis here as a potential you know, fantasy stud down the stretch now what well, it gets not even down the stretch for the for the majority of the season now that uh, Barkley could be out of the picture yeah I mean he had 10 carries for 20 yards today he get into the end zone which was obviously helpful but not a great rushing grade he the one positive I, I can say from his usage which he did have t- five targets in the passing game and I do expect the Giants to be essentially really bad at this point so I do think game script is going to help his fantasy production especially in a PPR format but I'm definitely not going to overspend on him if he's out there on waiver wires or something I have to use up a majority of my free agent dollars it's just not he's just not in a great situation being on the Giants at this point he could get a number of targets in garbage time but he's not necessarily someone that I'm expecting to be um, a real fantasy asset for me so I'm hoping that someone else probably overpays for him so that I don't really necessarily have to do with it, but I do think just in general, the injury situation, how people navigate that is probably going to be how you win your fantasy leagues this year. So it is something that definitely people need to stay on top of. So we'll see, but let's, let's get rid of the past. So let's see, let's dive into Monday night. The line opened six and a half point favorites for the saints. It's dropped down to five and a half points in most spots. I think the total kind of did a similar thing. It was sitting up at 51 and now comes down to 48.5 as we head into game time. So I don't know. It seems like the Raiders are getting a decent amount of the backing here. I'm just wondering what kind of, what kind of things are you seeing from the showdown perspective? Is there anything that you like anybody that's kind of popping up in some of your models or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, typically what ends up happening is it's really partially sentiment, partially uh, the the underlying numbers as far as projections and the the spread and over under when I'm looking at it. I mean, the analysis is meant for a tournament player. So you're going to really be concerned here with how the market views a player versus how uh, the numbers that 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 I put together view them. So a guy here, as you mentioned, the market's getting a little bit frisky when it comes to uh, the Raiders and, and what's going on there. And they're definitely down on Drew Brees. And Drew Brees has one of the higher optimal allocation numbers for uh, captain and for the flex positions. And at least my estimates, which are, like I said, they're, they're based upon not just a projection, but kind of uh, where the wind is blowing right now, is that he could be fairly depressed because there's a lot of people who are going to be in on Alvin Camaro, there's a lot of people who are going to be in on Josh Jacobs after Jacobs had that dominant receiving work, not just the rushing work there. And, you know, that there could be a few people who are in on some of the periphery players like a Darren Waller or a Jared Cook, who's getting a decent amount of uh, hype now with, with Michael Thomas missing the game. So I think Breeze is someone who you never would think would be undervalued in this type of matchup, but he is someone who over the last couple of years can have big splash games where he puts up a lot of numbers. And, and this could be one on Monday night. Yeah, yeah, I definitely like that thinking. I'm wondering, where do you see Henry Ruggs kind of fitting into that fold? Um, do you see him as being somebody that's probably going to be overvalued again by the market? I mean, he really just had the one long catch on 
last Sunday and then essentially got hurt a little bit banged up and stuff like that. Are you thinking that he's going to be the type of player that kind of flies under the radar? Because I do know um, in that captain spot specifically, it does seem like it's probably the most optimal situation is to have that wide receiver position in that captain spot from what I've read on your work. So I'm just wondering, is he the type of player that you're maybe also looking at with uh, in a Drew Brees allocation or something like that? I mean, I think it's a possibility. We're going to have to see on the on the injury concern. I mean, from my understanding is that he didn't practice until Saturday, and Saturday was more kind of like a walkthrough and not even a real practice. So he, you know, we'll have to see if he if he's active or not, and then if he is active, how much he ends up playing. I mean, I have his ownership number fairly depressed based upon these concerns and the fact that that he might not play but if he gets a green light and we hear some positive news for him I think he would be a very strong option I also think uh Emmanuel Sanders might not be a bad option again going with with the Breeze equation there is that if Breeze can can hook up with him a little bit Sanders is someone who hasn't been discussed much um in light of guys like like Kamara and Jared Cook who have looked good so I think Sanders is, is probably a guy who can who can slide in under the radar Right. Yeah, I really like that. I really like that thinking. So maybe Traquan Smith as well could be another person under the radar. Of course, Michael Thomas is not going to be um, participating this week. So we'll see what kind of injury situation that affects and how, you know, the Saints offense kind of works and distributes the ball and what sort of person kind of generates the most target share. But I do really like Emmanuel Sanders. I did think that was kind of an underrated signing in the offseason. Of course, it looks a lot better now with the Michael Thomas injury. So I do think he's definitely fantasy relevant here going forward, probably even when Michael Thomas gets back. So that'll be good. I'm excited for that Monday night football matchup. Is there any right before we leave? Is there any particular game that you are kind of intrigued with as we come up on week three? If there's any kind of, uh, you know, matchup of course we have the monday night football matchup kansas city versus baltimore i think we're gonna get a lot of information on that um there's a few other decent matchups coming up as well we have dallas at seattle do you think dallas is kind of uh they kind of snuck away with one here today do you think they're i mean the nfc east is pretty soft it seems like at this point so i don't really think it was necessarily a must-win game for them and i don't think it's going to be a must-win game for them in seattle next week but i do think that they are kind of a team that probably needs to uh show a little bit more here if they're going to be considered one of these front runners in the nfc so we'll see yeah no no i agree there i mean i think the interesting games that i'm going to be looking at are the teams who were supposed to be not necessarily great but in contention who are now zero and two and what they can do you know can the eagles get their their win against the Bengals? can the vikings compete at all with the titans uh next week can the texans get a win um at the steelers i mean these are these are teams that we you know we were expecting to compete for the division title a lot of the places here and and not only are they zero and two but I mean, maybe not in the case of the Eagles facing the Bengals, but the other matchups, these look like tough matchups coming into week three. So they could uh, you know, be facing 0-3, which pretty much eliminates most teams from the playoffs. Yeah, right. It's interesting that you touched on both Cincinnati in the Philadelphia matchup in Tennessee at Minnesota because those are the two biggest line movements that we've actually seen for the preseason odds based on where they now currently sit. Minnesota's actually moved from once at one time being minus three in the preseason market. Now they're uh, plus one. So it does seem like the market is definitely depressed on them at this point in Cincinnati at Philadelphia. Philadelphia minus 12 in the preseason now sits at minus six. So they have crossed, you know, about six numbers, both 10 and seven being key. So I do like that thinking. I think probably both of those teams um, are 
probably going to sh- continue to show us what they are, and that's probably not that good. I do think if I was buying into one of the three that you mentioned, I'd probably still be signing with Houston just based on their strength of schedule to start the season. I do think that they are still have some talent available, and I do you know, obviously love Deshaun Watson, so we'll see. But this has been fun, Kevin. I do appreciate you joining me. Everyone check out Kevin Cole's article coming tomorrow on that Monday night showdown slate. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow here on the PFF Daily Betting Podcast, talking about some more week three lines as we dive in and uh, continue to bring all the fantasy and betting goodness for you guys. Thanks for joining us. 